0: Pastor Troy on the doc.org. We're getting locked and loaded for a big episode here. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're all about a wonderful show that'll get you off the docks and into the deep. We are sitting in studio here, getting ready to do part four and five, a two-part finale, actually, of this incredible series we're on. We're glad you're joining us. Hopefully you found us on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes. We're also on Google Play, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, and SermonNet. And we'd love to hear from you on our different social media platforms. We've got Facebook and Instagram. I now call them Facegram. Just kind of mesh them together. Facegram, Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, and Getter. Talk to us on there. And when you find us, please subscribe, hit like, notify, share our platform connections with other people in your sphere of influence and help us get the word out we'd love to have you as a partner or sponsor at my patreon go to patreon and become a partner or sponsor on the doc you can find out lots more about us if you just can't figure any of this stuff out go to on the doc.org we have an embedded viewer you can watch us there see our archives as well find all of our other platforms and directions that way you can always email us at info at on the doc.org to get information from us and to communicate with us and i'm on studio with the fresh back from the dentist both of us had dentists today 11 o'clock and two o'clock. We have the cleanest teeth. Although I had Taco Bell. So I got that cheap $2 burrito. It's got too much rice in it. So I've already got my I've got tainted teeth already. But and you what did you eat after you you wouldn't eat too. you crammed something in what was it? McDonald's. So we, we get clean teeth and we get the worst meals on the planet <laughs> Taco Bell and McDonald's. You got McDonald's because I wasn't with you because I refused yes. to get McDonald's. I got Taco Bell because for two bucks you get that burrito. And to me it's a deal. So it's I don't know. It's, it's probably mostly garbage. It's mostly chips now and rice. There's almost no meat in it. Oh. No, no. What did you have? Cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Small fry. Small fry. But you got Lucas just came back in. Where were you traveling from?
1: Uh I had a video shoot in uh Car-Mai and then carrier mills. Oh, there's no easy way Middle back. Nowhere. Yeah, no
0: way back from yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. A uh, forty five all the way back up. It's terrible. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You made it back and we're all in studio. We've been running different directions. Lucas, you're going on vacation here before long. So you're trying to get out no, here. it's like a month and a half, a month and a half. But it yeah. feels like tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> We're going on vacation. We're going to go to Kokomo, Indiana and go watch the Kingdom Come Festival, some sort of rock and roll festival with Danny. <laughs> so we're excited. That's a couple of weeks from now. But but, we, but we're all here in studio. We've been coming from different planets. We're here with clean teeth and and everything's been checked out. We're ready to go. Mother Beth's in the studio myself. Got Lucas here. He's our executive producer over here, our executive director, techno wizard on camera and on mic today so yeah yeah good to have you here today what color shirt are you in today mm, blue today blue today mm. colors I mean that's almost like black so she
1: the <laughs> producer and the director
0: no 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 Di- Donna's the producer Donna's the producer producers kind of book- well producers kind of books people and kind of takes care of people and 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 kind of she, she produces the graphics and and meets with and gets their pictures so she's a producer so she she figures out when they're going to go out the director directs the program so he's he's I mean look yeah he, I
1: just thought he did both
0: no 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 he uploads some stuff he does help her some though he uploads some of her stuff yeah yeah she mooches a little bit of upload off him <laughs> she gets a little bit off you but 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 he's he's a director I mean okay. I mean. Well,
1: I know he's a director I mean the show can't go, go with that
0: director well you got to give everybody time. it feels like know?
1: Lucas does all of it
0: it does but they're really not all the social media lots a lot of the uploads done by donna Donna does a lot fields all the questions she's the one who bugs him and tells him when the shows to go up right yep so he'll be just like going along like she'll be like you've got to put up a couple episodes yeah, yeah.
1: she she posts. she texted me today
0: yeah see so yeah. that's that's because she's producing it she's the one who makes it get out there she like now, the some monitor. of it can't get out there without lucas because he's got to put some to give her access to okay. <laughs> but then and then we we're just talking about that we uploaded some stuff here and some reason i just only the audio uploaded i I don't even know how you do that on, yeah, on I, Sermonet. I, I fixed it though. You've, but is it, did you tell it to do that? or is it some, mm. some box checked? I'm probably, I probably hit the wrong, button. wrong box, yeah. you know, because yeah, it usually dual does it. So yeah, yeah. So we're here in the series. The Bible tells me so, uh, and on the doc season two, digging deeper in the word series, we're digging deeper in the word here. We're actually talking about the word itself, the Bible. So we're not in a specific book, but we're part of that uh, digging deeper series. We're in part four and part four and five are gonna be a, a two-part finale and we're calling it Take It or Leave It, but you can't change it. That's that's mm-hmm. the it's a long long title, but but it was actually longer when I pre when I preached this series. The title was actually, listen to this, Take It or Leave It, but you can't change it, no matter how much you want to ignore it. That was my title. That's a long title. But I dropped that last part off because it doesn't make sense. Well, it does if you think about because you either take the Bible or you leave it. But you can't change the Bible says don't change it. Because no matter how much you do, you can't ignore it. Because in the end, God will hold us to it. You know, we can ignore the Bible and try to change it. But in the end, he's going to judge us based on what he wrote. (laughs) You know, you can't really get around the final judgment. So that was what my thinking was. So take it or leave it, but you can't change it. In other words, the Bible's there, we can use it or not use it. And I know people are trying to change it. We're going to talk a little bit about that, how people tried to change it. But even when you try to change it, even if you go and you own the book publishing company and you go in and change the words, you don't change the Bible. Because You may change the print of a Bible that's been printed, but you've not changed the Bible because the Bible's not a book. The Bible's the living, holy, living, holy word of God. And if it's been misprinted, that's a whole different deal. Matter of fact, the Bible prescribes that if you change the words or you misdo it, then you, know, you can reap You reap damnation upon yourself. It's a curse. So wow. we're going to talk about that today. I mean, it's a serious deal. It's like, it's a serious deal. And, and, and there are people that actually modify the Bible. And I realize Bibles are largely an interpretation of somebody's Hebrew understanding of their Greek and their Aramaic. And, but when somebody takes the Bible and they know what it says in the Aramaic, or they know what it says in the Greek or the Hebrew, and then they use a word that's not the word, but is a modern, wokeism of that word to make it palatable for us today, that's not really a translation. That's kind of a editing, a moderation of it. Or yeah. A kind of that. And so we get a lot of that today. We gotta be very careful with what you read and who's you read and you gotta go look and see what the principles behind it were. Were they really translating or were they were they interpreting? Were they paraphrasing? Or are they trying to make it for modern use? There's there's paraphrases of the Bible where you, you read a sentence and instead of interpreting word for word, they reinterpret the sentence in a phrase for today. That would be a paraphrase, like the New Living Translation. They read a sentence, paraphrase the sentence. Uh, The Message Bible was a paraphrase as well, and it's kind of like they read a paragraph and rewrote the paragraph, And, and, and that's okay too. There are more literal, like the New King James, the NIV, NRSV, where they took each word, translate each word, and, they, and then they make it a literal word for word translation. Now, because of the way Hebrew and Greek are done, it's a little bit like Spanish where some things are backwards compared to our language. They have to deal with the iteration of the words, but they still kind of do it. Each sentence is handled on its own. Whereas in a paraphrase, either the sentence is handled together or a paragraph is handled together. So you get a better understanding of the whole paragraph or the sentence. I don't have a problem with a paragraph translation or or a sentence translation as As long long as as
1: it's stated up front that that's what
0: that you know you're reading that and and that what they're trying to do is help you understand the thought as then for now what i have a problem with is when they go in and begin to change words so that what you read now if it said you know this is a sin and and because of this sin the blood of jesus must be shed for it and over here they go this is not really no longer a sin. Um, it's a failure of character, but not a sin. And, and it doesn't mention anything about redemption through the blood of Jesus, you know, when blood was the currency to cancel sin. Now you, you haven't changed the words, you've changed the entire concept. You've changed the word, the word you've changed the word. Mm. And you get a lot of that when you're dealing with this. So for the Bible tells me, so we want to get back and tell you, you, you can take it or leave it, but you really can't change it. And if you do change it, you're just fooling yourself. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where right. that's kind of where we are as we kind of get into this rap and we're going to deal with some of that today where I saw it happening literally in live time and I'm going to share with you and I'm going to show you where that's taken the church. It is that mindset was really popular about 30 35 40 years ago and it has become so popular that it is today destroying what would have been the second largest church in the united states or yeah the second maybe the second you could argue third but i'd say second largest church in the united states with roman catholic being the first the second largest church was the methodist church and the Methodist Church now is in absolute destruction mode. They're way down the list now. They're, when they're done here, they're going to be they're going to be down there with with the Presbyterians, and and literally it's because they started playing games with the Word, and that began to happen some in 1988. So I was around. That was when I was a Methodist preacher, 88-92. I, I could see those things. I was in the Methodist in 88-92. I was a preacher. You could see it happening. And I talked about that and we're going to talk about that today. So we're in for the Bible tells me, so take it or leave, it, but you can't change it. We're going to find out what happens. Hey, and and I did this. You're going to, Lucas, you're going to love this. Look at this. Oh yeah. I I went, I thought this was such a good idea. Not Mm -hmm. only did I order two copies. One's the book and one's the study guide. I didn't even know they had a study guide. Yep, yep. So there's actually a book and then a study guide with six sessions. I ordered it cause I want to check it out yeah. and see maybe if it's something we can do down the road, but
1: it's, uh, it's really, really good for people who either have veered way off the Bible or have never started it. It just gives you like an overall understanding of like where things are, who did this, who did what, why, why is it located here or whatever, you know?
0: I went in and got this because I thought there was a good idea. and a We need we need to get back to the core Bible. I did some looking at it. I don't have my copies yet, but I looked mm-hmm. through some of the reviews on it. Very high. Oh, yeah. And so I'm going to dig into this. I encourage our listeners to get it. You, there you have the graphics for it. 30 days to understand the Bible. You, I went on Amazon. You can buy this as a singles or you can buy this as a set. And I bought it as a set. I'm going to check it out and see if it's something we can do something with mm-hmm. down the road. Maybe we'll even talk about it. So get in there. It's by Max Anders, Uh, the the study session and the 30 days. So you've got the yellow one. Yes, correct. There are some other colors. uh, Folks, it's been republished several times. So there's some different covers. This is the most current cover. Yeah. So it's been out a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. so really good. So I wanted to get that out and let, let people see that. So let me, let me just do just a little precursory review. I know you were listening to the show the other day, but we, we, we did the first three versions. Go back and listen to uh, the, first parts, the first part of this was the Logos, we talked about the very concept of the word becoming flesh, who the word is, it's a living word, it's Jesus. Uh, and we talk heavy about the concept of Logos in part one, go back and listen to that. We're, it's available on, uh, at um, on the doc.org, go to SermonNet, you can go back to YouTube to our archives dig back in Spotify or iTunes, you'll be able to find that go listen to it. And we really focus in the concept of there that in the beginning, God created this, he was there and john one, one we talked about the logos was already there. So Jesus is the word God is the word Jesus and God are the same. And and this word is living so we, we can take it or leave, it. we can't change it because it was before us, it will be after us, we don't have any control really over it. I know we could edit it as a written book. But the word is not a book. The word is the word is life. And so we've learned that the word comes by faith and the word comes not by osmosis, but by study. And when we follow it, there's a blessing and obedience. When we don't do it, there's a curse and no disobedience. And the word is God, the word is Jesus, and the word is our source of life. So those are some things we learned in that first logos section. When we got over into the second section, we talked a little bit about the power of the sword, and one of the things we talked about is that the Bible is um, a book that has been available to all. We have it in so many ways, so many ways to access it today, And, 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 but not all of us use it. We have more Bible than ever, and we have the least amount of people really reading it and getting into it. And understanding and that's why we put that book resource out there so if we're going to honor the logos we have to endeavor to get into the word itself and to do that what we talked about in that second session go back and listen to the one on the on the uh, power of the sword we have to understand that we need a right assessment of it and then we need to have a right or righteous approach as we review it we need to understand it's his word and that it will protect us it's the word of god it is the word of life. It is the food for our spirit as surely as we eat and we drink. And we had a taco bell today and we had a cheeseburger. We need to have the word in us for, uh, our spirit to grow it, 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 when we're young. It's the milk when we're, when we're, some days it's the richness in our life. It's a honey, but it's the meat of our soul day in and day out. It's a guide for our life. It's our chief weapon for spiritual combat. And it's a treasure book for us. There's things we can find that we need for special things. And it's just really important we need. And I, and I said this in that section, the Bible doesn't do us a bit of good unless we read it. And more important, we got to believe it and put it to action in our daily life. So we talked about that. Then we got into in the third section. And I'm not gonna go very deep into that we took a look at, at the, the word being a living word. And go check it out in the third section that the Bible is a manual for our righteousness. We learned from uh, Elder Jerry when he preached in the church, he said he gave a great quote that sin grows best in darkness. And I and that was so true. And so we need to read the Bible because it, it's like a light source that gets into those dark areas and puts out the sin stains. And uh, it, it, it's like I showed this graph in that one thing I showed this m- mechanical robot that goes around hospitals and uses light to purify bacteria and fungus and stuff. You know, the word of God is like a light in our life and it purifies the fungal and bacteria infected areas of our life. It brings correction to us. And one of the things we talked about, uh, I thought that Jerry shared that he did that in the preaching word, when he preached in our church, he said that the word lives and in a sense, when you're reading the Bible, your Bible's also reading you, I thought that was so good because you read the Bible and you learn, but your Bible, as you're reading, you go, well, I'm in there. That could be me today. You know you you know i need to think about that the bible kind of kind of prunes you yeah you know and kind of goes you realize you're that guy you know and w- whether you're the good guy the bad guy or the trouble person you know you can realize the bible is really uh there to to walk with you and so it's not this ancient thing it's a light source today to kind of really help you out and we talked about the john bevere quote we watched that clip that a lot of people uh, today have this love for Jesus, but they don't have the healthy respect for the word of God. And so they don't, and what he says is, you know, a lot of people love Jesus, but they, they're they failing in the spot of fearing God. And he got that quote, who did he get that? Jim Baker. He got that from Jim Baker when he met him in prison. And Jim Baker done all the things he'd done, was shamed and all that. And he, and he said, well, when did you fall in love with Jesus? And Jim Baker said, I didn't. I just forgot to fear God. Mm-hmm. I didn't fear God. So I love Jesus just thinking that his word would just roll by. And that's why I'm saying we can, we can take it or leave it, but we're not going to change it. God is not moving his word. He's not really a, he loves us, but he's not such a respecter of persons that he's going to be a liar to his own word, you know, just to protect us. When God says something, he, he means it. And, and, and I think a lot of times we think that. We're going to work around it and we're just not going to do it. I think we've really got to understand there's a scripture we read here every Sunday. We kind of made it the feature of this sermon series. I'm trying to find it here, but it's a scripture we use so common out of Timothy. We read it every single Sunday. It's that second Timothy text where it says, oh, I'm looking for it here. I'm just having a hard time with it here. You know, don't you love it? When you, there it is. Here it is, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The scripture is what it is. Some of it teaches, some of it rebukes, corrects, and trains in righteousness. But the whole goal is that we'll be equipped for every good work. We're not going to, a lot of us today are trying to edit the scripture. So it'll actually revolve around what we think is a good work. But it doesn't say to edit it to around a good work it says if necessary, correct us to a good work or rebuke us to a good work or teach us to a good work or train us to a good work and so a lot of us now are trying to adapt you know what they do it's kind of like i think a lot of what they're doing in the bible today and you're going to see this in in a little bit you're going to see this more actually in part five so you don't want to miss part five when we get to the back after this but today what i like about men's clothes especially when you're fat like me is these these jeans aren't like that um, but i've got a lot of pants today where they're khaki pants where because i'm i got a large waist they, they used to have just a fixed waist now they put a little spando on the side <laughs> they put a little little margin a little two inch bounce margin the bad part is if you're on a low side you kind of lean for a week. Your pants are always a little baggy, even if you try yeah. to buckle them up, you know, but, but if you've had a good meal, it's got, it's got a, it's got like pregnancy expansion room for men. <laughs> no, 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 it is. It's like, food, wow. food baby expansion, food baby expansion room for men. <laughs> and so a lot of our pants are expando today. And then even some of the fabrics have a little spandex in it. So your jeans used to be real firm and now they'll take your jeans and put a little spandex fiber in it. So yeah. your jeans have a little, especially the, I wear a lot of Duluth trading pants. They put a little, cause we're all fat and that we're you know. I think a lot of us are. Are you bend a lot? So are
1: most of the men's jeans like that? Most of the women's jeans have the stretchy in them now. Dude. Yeah. Nowadays, most most men's jeans will, will have three will or four, stretchy. three or four, five percent. Work hard to find like a denim that does not have that in it.
0: Yeah, and they're just like, every everything's fake denim now. Right. Yeah. So, but <laughs> right. it's still got denim, but they're weaving right. in some fibers of this spandex flex. Right. And it and it gives a little. Bounce to it, you know? So I I don't want, that's what they're doing with a lot of the Bibles today. Mm. They're weaving in a little bit of flex. They're, they're using a word that's not the word or even a list of words. It's like a close cousin of the word. It's not even a synonym of the word. It's like a distant relative. Instead of saying it's hot sin, they would say it's um, maybe not a good idea. Didn't say don't do it. (laughs) You know, you know, you know, it's like, you know, over here it says he shot him dead. Ah, uh, he may have grazed him. Mm-hmm. Nobody shot him dead. No, I may have grazed him. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's, you know. So, so I mean, the Bible is really clear that we need to train ourselves to it, not train the Bible to us. Yeah. The Bible's not spandex. Right. And so, I know a lot of designers have woven spandex in the Bible, <laughs> and I just don't think uh, that dog's going to hunt with the Lord. What do you guys think? Mm-mm. Probably yeah. not. Now, so let's take a look at this subject today. Now, the subject today is take it or leave it, but you can't change it. And if you go back and listen to my sermon series from January 2023, somewhere toward the end, part four and part five of this, it was a two-part sermon series finale as well. Um, It was called take it or leave it, but you can't change it no matter how much you ignore it. So if you want to ignore the Bible, that's fine. You're not going to get away because in the end, we will all be judged at the great throne of judgment by how we lived according to it whether we like it or not, and we can take it and some people want to leave it, but some people want to kind of change it. And my point is you can't do any of that. We are going to be judged by the living word of God, (laughs) Uh, not by the final book that's published that day. You know, there might not be in a few years, you may not be able to hardly find a Bible. The one one thing that the Bible says that we need to take it and learn it in our heart. They did that in early times because they couldn't reproduce it because they didn't have a press. So a lot of it was memorized and learned and then there are times in societies where it's legal to have a Bible. So they've had to commit it to memory. Yeah. We may be coming to a time again down the road where we'll have to commit the real Bible to memory because what'll be out there will be fraudulent or so misrepresented, we could be led back astray by the, by our own reading of a purported Bible. Right. So it's really important. Maybe, Hey, maybe everybody listening should go find go to grandma's house find one of those old King James or new King James or NIV Bibles. Maybe you should get a couple of those, put them in a sealed container and go lock them away, hide them in some walls, bury them away some places. We ought to put a few away, you know, yeah. on, on some microchips or have something you, like that. Have you seen the book of Eli? you seen that? Yeah. It's, it's,
1: it's similar to that where he's, where he actually memorizes the Bible. Yeah. And then when he gets to the printing press. He, he was like, okay. Yeah. Chapter, Genesis chapter one, and he starts going, yeah, we yeah. might, we might have to do, we yeah. might
0: have to do some of that. We may have to get some savants out here and, and commit them to it again, because there may be a day where, uh, they tell us here's the Bible and we go, uh, no. <laughs> right that, and we're not far from that i don't think we're far from that in fact i there were there was something even in the last week beth and i were exchanging i forgot what i sent you on facebook about that where you couldn't even say certain things anymore it was considered to talk about jesus's death on the cross was considered terroristic and and nihilistic. And and they were removing that from a Facebook, Instagram discussion, because, wow. it, yeah, no, no, it was like a basic Bible thing, wasn't it, Beth? And, and so we're not far from that. And once AI takes over, they're just gonna hate the whole thing. So, so we're gonna have to bear, the Bible says, bury that word in your heart. So that you may not sin against God. So we're going to have to really get it there. So get in it. Osmosis won't work. So let, let's take a look at this back in. This is what's cool. We'll do this in two parts. We'll just try to get the basic down here. And then we're going to come back to this. Um, back in, I'm going to give the circa date, you ready for circadate? date, circa date 517-1992. I did a sermon back in my very early preaching years. I started preaching right near this time about a few, about a year before this, uh, the erosion of the church and the validity of the Bible complex term, young preacher, I wasn't to seminary yet, I was a uh, local pastor trained. At that time, I went to seminary very soon after this, Matter of fact, I went to seminary the next fall, that summer, I, that, this was very close to the end of my time as a preacher. In Southern Illinois, because we moved almost soon after this, this, this may have been, one of my last messages before I went to school. Um, wow. Very close. It had been very close. Cause it was kind of, I just came from like general conference in 1992 for the uh, Methodist Church had just occurred. General conference is the biggest session. It meets, it makes the decisions for the church. It speaks on behalf of the church. And it was 88, 92 there every four years. And it was a big moment. Um, I watched a lot of it. I was new in the church. I wanted to learn how everything worked. 88, I had just moved here. I wasn't really in the church. I was just starting to go to church kind of. So I didn't even really know what it meant. But by ninety-two, I, I got to watch it. I was a part of the life of that. And I was a pastor at Energy Methodist Church and Colt Methodist Church, which was also called Hope Chapel in uh in Culp, Illinois, and Energy Illinois, pastored both of those churches. Beth and I were newly married. Um we lived in Heron and had an insurance agency, Benettone Insurance Agency, so I was bivocational. And I was able to watch a lot of the conference, learn a lot about it. There were a couple tensions going on in the Methodist Church at the moment. And one of those was the issue of homosexuality. This is in 1992. The the Methodist church is a Wesleyan based church. It's very conservative. It has very Orthodox roots. It it goes back to Anglicanism. Uh, We have connection to the Episcopal church via our Anglican roots, but John Wesley left, didn't leave the Anglican church, but he helped spin off the Wesleyan church, which had a different trajectory than the Episcopalian Anglican church did. Anglican rooted back in, in the King of England. And when we split as a country, The Wesleyan became its own movement, eventually its own church. John Wesley was never a Methodist. He was the beginning of a Methodist movement inside the Anglican church that later, uh, became its own church in the, in the United States. And it became a worldwide church and it was very conservative. It was very Bible believing, very fundamental. It it had, uh, high call to prayer and devotion uh, to the social gospel, of serving people and preaching the gospel. And and just to read the memoirs of John Wesley, when I was a young believer, it was very attractive to me because he was he was he was like a Fred Bishop of his day. Fred Bishop's my mentor. He was wild and had crazy stories and delivered people and preached all over the world by horseback and was just amazing. He was a troublemaker. By the time of the end of his life, he could only preach in like three churches in England. He'd been put out of every church, had to preach his own father's funeral from a stone outside his dad's outside of a church because he had been banned for what he had preached. And what he had preached was opening the churches up to the masses. The Anglican church was largely kind of a buy your own pew church and poor people were left outside and, wow. and it had become a very aristocratic church. And, and in the Anglican church, you paid your tithe through taxes. So you mean, you know, the preacher, preacher didn't have to work hard. Yeah, no, 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 the king collected it. So, so it was different. And Wesley wanted to get the church back to a heartfelt church, a church that was close to the people. And so he would bring those people in and set them down on the floor to listen to the service. And then they would be in front of the the rich people and they'd have to smell them. And so they put them outside (laughs) and eventually they put Wesley outside. And so, so really his family's church, his home church. And like one other church, he was welcome in. Other than that, he was he became an outdoor preacher, literally. And his groups called Methodism uh, began to meet. Groups of preachers to start renewal movements met all over Oxford uh, campus in England, and and they started the whole Methodist revival. And that actually came to the United States. Take that to ninety-two years later, years later. Wesley, now the United Methodist is starting to not look like the Orthodox scriptural Bible based movements being challenged. It's being challenged with modern issues. It, it started getting challenged in the fifties over the question of avoiding the draft and over sexuality, over divorce, over lots of things. And in 1992 at the general conference, I, I wrote the, the, here was the thesis of my sermon that day, the erosion of the church and the validity of the Bible then and now 1992, hear what I said in 1992, young, young preacher. My thesis was that the destruction of the church and our society, the destruction and the church and our society, yes, even our own Methodist church, I was a Methodist preacher then, not an independent preacher like I am now, our own Methodist church comes down to one factor, the erosion of God's word and the damage and destruction we've done in trying to speak for God. I, I shared that basically, that the church was changing stuff in a way that was dangerous because it wasn't endorsed or allowed by God. And as we change that, we're trying to speak for God, but God has spoken and we can't change it. And I I began to point to that in the message I preached that day. I had just gotten done with the general conference, It met in April, we're now in May, and I'm writing in response to that. I listened to an African delegate. It was an African delegate. I didn't even know Methodism was in Africa until I watched this general conference, and it was viewable uh, online. And in Zimbabwe, one of the delegates spoke, and this is long before I'd ever gone to Liberia myself, we have churches in Africa. Now I understand the culture. I understand why this is a problem there, but I had no knowledge of that then. But the African delegate from Zimbabwe, he spoke so eloquently, he was well-educated. He, his concern was that the homosexual issue that was being lifted up, that we would now allow the marriage of homosexuals, that we would allow the ordination of homosexuals, that we would treat that as just a normal regular biblical lifestyle they they were making that argument he got up and spoke and he says he says that and listen to this this was this guy spoke and no paper carried it no newspaper told this story nobody carried it nobody carried it he got up and spoke so he says he gave great gratitude. We just got done building this thing called Africa University. We'd had this tax put on us called an apportionment. we had been paying for this university to be built for years. And it was going to put great theological education into the pastors in Africa to help them grow their churches. And uh, we spent all this money to educate the people and especially their religious leaders. And he was saying, I want to thank you for Africa University and what you've done here. But he said, if you're going to try to tell us that homosexuality is normal in our country, then you're trying to tell us what is sin and what is forbidden in the Bible is not. Hmm. He said, that is not only something that's unheard of in our country. He said, it's something we don't even speak about. He said, if we choose to take that course as a church, if, if what you're going to insist is that we accept homose- accept homosexuality as a normal Christian behavior, despite what the Bible says about it, and that's what you're going to teach in your new university, then I would suggest you close it up, board it up and take it back because we don't want it. Wow, We will not allow that mentality to infect our people. And he saw our problem in the U S of what we had, he described it almost like what we would call today, a cancer, what you have is an infection. It's a biblical infection. He described it almost as a cancer, and he, what he said was, "We don't want it." And 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 what about us today? It, it's not just that it, we see it today, right now. When you go from ninety-two to two thousand twenty-three, almost thirty years ago, you now understand that for me to tell you that that homosexuality is not a biblical normality. It's not the unpardonable sin. It's just like any you know, other sin in the Bible, somebody could be forgiven of it, but it's not the way in which we can live right to God. And, it's, and, and, and the Bible says, if, if people have proclivity to something, then what you do is live in singleness, honor God, and crucify yourself, pick up the cross and follow him. Hmm. You're also not supposed to live in a, an adulterous relationship. You're not to live in affairs. You're not to live a life of pornography. So none of those things are worse than that, but the Bible doesn't condone none of those. So you can't just pick this and go, oh, this is now okay, because the Bible doesn't say it is. You right. can't, you got to take it or relieve it. And so what we were trying to do was make it normal. And today, if you take the Methodist Church Circuit 2023, what they're saying is it's now normative behavior. And the thought that it's not is now cancerous. It's actually flipped. The idea that, that the Bible would say that this is an act of sin would be considered to be, intolerant and, and unacceptable inside the body today. Thus, now today you have Methodist churches all around the planet splitting. Still not in Africa though. Still not. Yes, but not, not in Africa, but they're now being forced to deal with the split here. They're now having to take sides and they are going to split because they have to decide, will they stay United Methodist where, where they're doing apostate stuff or will they split off? And they've been largely funded because of resources through the United Methodist church. So they're, they're being forced to make decisions. Some of the churches there are going to stay United Methodist, meaning they're going to stay connected to a church. That's going to be apostate on this biblically. They're going to have homosexual bishops. They're right. going to have homosexual pastors. Yeah. And even though they don't believe it they're what they're hoping is they can go la, 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 send us some money, but leave us alone theologically. But you you can't do that. The Bible says that's it's, it's an abomination It's detestable. And we're not trying to make people mad. We're just trying to tell you what the Bible says. Okay, right. I I know that this won't be in with a lot of things, but we're just telling what the Bible says. And so this guy spoke really clear on this. And the liberal caucus of that conference, that was that was in 1992. Let me tell you this, they worked and they actually succeeded in a project to feminize and neutralize the Bible. They took the RSV Bible, which had been predominantly the, Me- the Methodist version of the Bible, the Revised Standard Version, and they ordered a new Revised Standard Version to be completed. And it was completed then. The new Revised Standard Version took the Revised Translation, but went in and cleaned up a lot of language to make it more inclusive, pronoun wise to God, to make it instead of saying he or father, it would say our God or our holy, holy one. And it went very inclusive in some places, it did things like that. And then they took the same language and had to rewrite the hymnal. The hymnal uses the liturgy like the Psalter from it. So the Psalters had to be rewritten where it would say the blood of Jesus, they would say uh, the life of Jesus, where it would say his, his blood makes our sins white as snow. Uh, his blood can make our, we wouldn't say his blood, his life makes us clean. You know, they took words out, they changed language. They, they changed pronouns. They basically took the liturgy and the hymns and their goal was one to feminize the Bible. And then they tried to move things that were not permissive. They softened the language on sexuality, on things of life, on what was acceptable. The words like detestable were taken out when God says this is detestable. God hates this other language were used like, you know, God doesn't like this doesn't like a different, I don't like, you know, turnips, you know, but that's different than saying I hate turnips. Right. I mean, there's, there's things you can eat. You don't like, you know, but when you say I detest, it's, it's a revulsion, you know, so they really changed some of the language and at the end of that conference, you know let me say what happened. 20% of the delegation of this conference 92 was foreign. They stopped all this. What's good is this guy's speech worked. Um, They didn't fix the neutralization of the Bible, they kind of snuck a lot of that through anyway. So it got in. So even though they stopped the sexuality change, they did neutralize a lot of the Bible, so that means the next generation will read a Bible and hymnal that, that's all removed from, so they they don't begin to learn. They don't learn things that they should have learned or hear things they should mm-hmm. have heard. Then, then what, what's interesting, now today, the foreign delegation makes up like 40%, and so that's a bigger battle today. So uh, the Georgia delegation that year, and this is 1992, they fought real hard, uh, and, and, and they brought up the term that, For the last four years, that previous quadrennium, 88 to 92, the church, the Methodist church had lost a quarter million members and they were projecting that because of what was happening and the lack of growth and the lack of the gospel and the lack of the desire to grow the church, they were expecting another almost 200,000 to be lost. It was going to be less lost because the church is smaller. When the pie gets smaller, the loss of smaller is equal to the loss of bigger because you got a smaller pies, different piece. And, and they said it would come down to the fact that we've become so inclusive and so liberal that we now exclude those that wish to truly worship God. So more and more people were leaving, becoming independent. They were getting frustrated and going to non-denominational churches. And this would be a day and age where a lot of people were doing that. that my wife, Beth, she she was part of a church in another denomination, and their church was forming and splitting off, and other churches were forming and splitting off. And you were seeing the birth of really the non-denominational movement. Yeah. in in these years. And part of that was that the denominational church was so busy trying to be religious and liturgical, rather than biblical, and scriptural, that they were losing people. Right. And, and, and what I learned was, we have to understand, and I I spoke this in 92 to the church, then that we have to understand that God's kingdom is not, uh, excuse me, is not all inclusive. God's kingdom is a selective is a selective, it's selective in a personal way. And we cannot cheapen God's grace by trying to widen it with our own high tech or our own editing or or other ways in which we want the very narrow lane that God gives us is how we get to heaven. The wide path is that which leads to destruction. And what was happening was there was a desire to flip it so that the societal path was the normative path. And instead of it leading to destruction, they now wanted to say it leads to God. And the narrow path now leads to bigotry. And that leads away, it was almost like they were switching the destinations. But in all honesty, you can't change where it's going to send you. So what was the highway to hell was now being told is the highway to heaven. And what is the highway to heaven is now being told is a bigoted, unt- uh, intolerable way to, to evil. And it was literally being flipped. And the Georgia delegate, one of the Georgia delegates came and he spoke so eloquently and he, and he said these words, listen to what he said. He said, if God had wanted the path to be an eight lane freeway, he would have done so, but he chose a small, discreet dirt road, the narrow way. Hmm. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the father except by God. Finally, one of the delegates quoted, and this kind of wraps this up here and I'll get to the core of my thoughts and then we'll come back in the next part and kind of get really deep in the discussion on this. Um, The, um, the, the, the the quote of one delegate that really got me was he said this and at the end, toward the end of the conference. And, and again, I want to remind you that at the end of that day, the vote was won. the conservative movement maintained the church. But now over the last eight years well that's 30 years but in just that last eight years that's totally gone Mm -hmm. and now the church is completely dividing up churches in this town have split and gone other churches have gone Uh, my brother sent me a note today today that 162 churches in tennessee just split off officially yesterday including christ church and the biggest churches there this er, every day you see another conference because it's between now and the end of the year. There's one wave. Now there has to be one more vote uh, by the end of the year. All the churches have to be out by the end of the year that went out. There's a, there's an off lane that's been given by the denomination. And so by the end of this year, the split will be over. So over half of it's happening right now. There'll be more happening in the fall, but, but it's happening. And this delegate said in 92, he said, he said here, this was, this was her quote, um, we meet as the church, and many of us here, especially from the very liberal and controversial issues, want to say abortion is okay and homosexuality is okay and et cetera, et cetera. We want to come here and stamp our church's approval on that, but we forget that the church is just the body. It is not our place to think that falls to the head Christ and he, God, has spoken. Now, that was a quote of somebody that was relatively liberal. And what they were arguing was, we're going to make this many changes. We should go out on our own and start our own new church.
1: Yeah, why not?
0: Nobody took them up on it. And somebody else got up and said, yes, I agree in our country. It's okay, acceptable, and even common for these issues. But who are we to say that we can say that God now says abortion, homosexuality, sin is okay. We cannot. Somebody else got up and joined her, a conservative, and said, "I I agree with her. They said in 92 that we needed to split then to let people go that wanted to go that direction so that you wouldn't have this just wafer. And so, what happened from 92 all the way to now, the church has just lost almost like 40% of its people. Now it's going to split and just be fractions. And and I just, I guess my point is I was a young preacher in 92. I shared these things. And I I said to the church that day, I I mean, I said to the church that I preached to energy, we won this day. But we will lose this battle. You could see it coming because they still changed the hymnal. They changed the Bible. They changed a few things. And you could see that for the next generation. And I would go off to seminary. And when I got to seminary, they're teaching nothing but the new way. So every preacher coming out for the last 30 years came out with understanding the new way and anybody that held to a biblical orthodoxy was almost shoved down, pushed out or or not wanted. There were very few exceptions. Very few of the people I graduated from seminary with are in ministry today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm one of a handful, I'm a small yeah. handful. And I, I I said this, I quoted this way back then in 92. And I said, sin is sin, the government can condone it, but God has spoken and we are not here to put God's seal on these issues, but to declare what God has said about it. We're to be prophets, not spokesmen for the government. And God's word is complete and it's clear on this issue. And we have to decide how we're gonna land on that. that what will we do with this bible the fact is when we say for the bible tells me so it doesn't we don't tell it so it tells us so and we have to decide how we're going to live with that and sin is sin we we can't change it no matter how there are a lot of sins in the bible i would like i would like to soften some of these things i would like people to be able to do whatever they want and get away with it but i didn't write this thing i just found my faith in christ and decided to follow a way that leads to life though it's a narrow road now I'm going to wrap up with this here, real quick. I'm just going to lay these out here so we can come back in the final episode. We're going to dig deep in this, guys. Our team's going to get in here with us. We want you to get online. But I'm going to to tell you three things I declared in 92. And then I want to take a look at this again in the highlight of today. And these are what I declared that were the eroding issues of the Bible that day from that conference view and from that young preacher. And today I'm a preacher that's been now doing this 30 plus years, almost 35. And I'm gonna tell you, (laughs) we've arrived. So number one, it was the Bible. One of the rooting issues of the Bible was is that people were saying the problem with it, it was written by men and translated by men. So we were at the beginning of the feminine era, feminization of the Bible. And because it was a male written Bible, male dominated Bible, it was it, it had error just because of the sex of the authors. Okay, so that was one eroding issue. We'll talk about that and and, and how that's valid in the next. But, but you can see, you can see how strong that is today. I mean, you can just see, just take, for example, Beth was Beth been following the target issue, targets in trouble, Tar- targets taking all the stuff out of their stores today. All the transgender stuff they're taking, they've miraculously all the displays have been taken down overnight. In all the targets, all the, they have a whole trans section. Really, they took everything down overnight. They're doing Bud Light. They're trying to. It never happened. Really, they took it all down. They walked it all back. Wow. Now, now they're not going to walk back their whole stance, but but all the transgender sections, uh, they've got new bathing suits for the kids for the for the boys that want to be girls. That it's called the easy tuck bathing suits. Yeah. They yeah. can tuck their business. All that section is gone and out of the store, miraculously this morning, and it's as if it never happened. Okay, so, but you somebody said they went to Target, they went in the boys section. The ever, ever set of clothes looked like a what was it, Beth? Looked like girls' clothes, yeah. They were all girls' clothes, yeah, like dressed, dress the little boys like girls. So, so you can see that we're, we're in a different reality today, but back then it was written by men, translated by men, it, just that concept made the Bible a problem that needed to be fixed. And the fixings were the problem is. The second thing that we're gonna address in the next episode is it was written a long time ago because the Bible is so long ago and society has changed and evolved and situations are different. It's archaic and as a result of it being archaic, you know, guess what? We don't have to listen to it. It needs to be updated. So the Bible needs a new edition, needs to be updated. And it's just for a bunch of old farts from hundreds of years, thousands of years, we have a problem with that. Right. So Lucas, we're gonna talk about that. So, but it was a problem they were just stating that the the Bible's good, but it's archaic and it needs to be adapted and modernized for a real society that has, you know, you know, real things happening today. Right. And, and they meant well and grandparents, great, 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 great grandparents, well, but. You know, there were basically dumb morons, right? <laughs> They didn't understand Greek and Hebrew and we right. we're, were better. The third and finally writing character, we'll get this in our next section. It's going to be a great. You don't want to miss this. It's going to be deep because all this is true today. All this has happened. This is things that I pointed out. I wrote this in 1992. It's all happening. The third thing is, it they said that he wrote it. They said the Bible speaks from a patriarchal, misogynist. So if you think about these things above, it's very patriarchal, very misogynist, uh, masculine, uh, strong language, language of a dominant society where you have words like submission, slavery, obedience, conviction, need, dependency, repentance, humility, and sin. These words are loaded for a a patriarchal, misogynist society, and the Bible really, that was, that was a bad time. And so what we need to do is put that in the light of more modern thought and rationale, and we need to fix that. And so basically these are all things that they fixed in the retranslation of the Bible in the retranslation of the hymnal and the liturgy. And I'm going to show you how that's kind of been done today. It's not just been done there. It's being done in other books of the Bible, other versions of the Bible even coming out today. So the NRSV is not alone in that. There are more modern translations that have softened some of these things too. You got to be really careful uh, with some of that in other places. So we're going to come back and, and what I want to do is I, hopefully I've gotten you excited and I want to show you how this is infecting us today the, for the Bible tells me so depends on what you know about the Bible and which Bible you're looking at. Are you looking at the latest print with the latest edits that have fixed all these things? Are you looking at the Bible as the unadulterated living word of God? And that's what we wanna get at really heavily in the next part of this. And that's why we're doing this in two parts. We to lay the foundation. And then my goal is when you come back, is we want to take a look and see what's happened in these 30 years. And I want to kind of give an answer to these and I, I don't really need to defend the Bible here, but I want to show you where what's been said is really baloney. It's like a baloney sandwich to be honest <laughs> with you. And, uh, we're going to get to that in part two of our grand finale. So I hope you've enjoyed me. I know there's been a lot of foundation, but what we're going to really do, we want you to come back in our next episode. And I want you to dig in and get ready to see how this is not affecting you from 1992. I want you to see in part five, take it or leave it, but you can't change it, how this is affecting you right now. When you are listening to this, whether it's in 2023, when it's been broadcast as a part of season two, or if you listen to it in the archives, gosh, it'd be more effective of you today. So I want you to come back and check this out. We will be back. You don't want to miss the episode. Go to onthedoc.org email us at info and on the doc.org. get details to this and, and stay with us on this, go back. And if you haven't listened to the first three episodes of this, go back and listen to the logos, the power of the sword and our manual for righteousness, and then get into this, make sure you're connected and let's get ready for an incredible part five, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google play, Facebook, Facebook, rogue Q rumble sermon and then let's hear, I'd like to hear how you've seen these things, these erosions happen. Go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, telegram, Getter. tell us how you've seen it. Um, being, uh, eroded let's hear about your biblical. where have you seen faith Bible, uh, the concept of faith being eroded over these last 30 years and see, let us know how it's impacting you and the church you're in or churches you've come out of, because I think it's going to be important in the days ahead that we find a church where the living word of God is preached, where it's lived out, where we have an intimate relationship with God and we let the Holy spirit come in us in a way in which we can validate whether we're walking with against with or against him so it's important so we'd love to hear from you hit a subscribe like notify and if you're watching us share it with other people Love to have your input, go be a patron yeah. partner or sponsor. And if you don't have a church to go to, we'd love to have you at community faith church, 10 o'clock on Wednesdays, 630, uh, 10 o'clock on Sundays, 630 on Wednesdays, got those backwards and we're in Marion, Illinois, but regardless, get in a good Bible, believing church. If your church is fighting about things about sexuality and whether it's of God or not of God, you're in the wrong place. What you need to be is in a church that's teaching and preaching the word of God. So find that, uh, join us online, check us out at coftv.com, uh, or come visit us and if not find a good church in your area we'll be praying that you'll do that and get into the the unadulterated word of god you need to live the bible out why because the bible tells you so and if you do that you'll be fine so i'm i'm with mother beth here lucas been good discussion yep and we're going to be back in the grand finale of this for the bible tells me so part five you can take it or leave it but you can't change it we'll see you soon i'm pastor troy and We're on the